0: praise god praise god and everybody said praise the lord thank you brother martin it is good to be in sand springs oklahoma amen what is sand springs is that is it sand that comes out of the spring you don't have water out of the spring you have sand (laughs) it's a great place i'm happy to be here tonight in this meeting and it's it's a joy to come and I haven't taken it lightly, the invitation I deeply appreciate the invitation to come back to Oklahoma I love your district You have a lot of great preachers, great churches great saints of God and it's always an honor to get to come here and uh, your good district superintendent, Brother Martin is a real Christian gentleman and a great preacher and leader and uh, everything that I can hear and have heard is positive in his leadership that he's doing a wonderful job leading this district. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I I haven't heard one negative word about him, so he's got to be doing great. And uh, it's a delight to be here with you, Brother Martin. Appreciate the good job you're doing. Brother Hughes, it's good to be with you and any other members of the district board and the leaders of the district as well as all the ministers and saints god bless you and then to be in sand spring whatever it was called after i'm going to tell you for about twenty years you've had a great past amen, amen. praise god and, come on. and i'm happy to be here with brother Schweitzer he's a wonderful man he and his wife and family are wonderful people I've known him a long time, and he's blessed us. He came out last December and did our men's retreat up in the mountains in North Carolina and did a wonderful job and preached for us on Sunday and Sunday night, but people still talk about how wonderful it was. So it's just good to be a good friend of Brother Schweitzer and his family and be in this wonderful church. I was here last fall at the Christmas of Christ rally, and made a tour around the district, so I just kind of feel at home tonight. It's good to be among God's people. I mean, I'm happy you're, you're acquainted with the Lord. You really know Him. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad to know Him, and to know Him is life eternal. And uh, I'm glad to know a little something, not all I want to, but a little something about His book. His book is the Bible. And the Bible is the greatest book in all the world. There's no other book that compares with the Bible. And there's no other so-called leader or so-called Savior that compares with Jesus. Amen. He's the one and only Lord of our lives. Praise God. I love Him, don't you? Praise God. Praise God. Someone said that the Bible is the only book that the author is present every time it's read. And I believe that and appreciate that. Thank the Lord for this book called the Bible. I read the other day where... A man wrote, if our greatest need had been information, then God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a sign. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have given to us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And God sent us a savior. When the fullness of time was come, When the fullness of time was come. Amen. I'm glad for a Savior tonight. Thank the Lord. Why don't we lift our hands and praise Him. He's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, hallelujah. Let's open our Bibles tonight for a few minutes. The book of uh, Judges, chapter 17. Judges, chapter number 17 and verse number 6. Judges, chapter 17 and verse number 6. Amen. Amen. I'll try to be like the little girl was, that was talking about her pastor. She said to some of her friends, When our pastor preaches, he brings all of his sermons to a happy conclusion. And they said, Really? We've never heard anybody like that. She said, Yes, when he concludes, everyone's happy. <clears throat> and so that's, that's the way i me tonight. When I get through, there'll be some happy folks. But I believe that God can touch us in these next few minutes. Amen. Judges 17 and verse 6, In those days days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In those days. That sort of characterizes the book of Judges. When you read the book of Judges, that sort of tells it all. The very last verse of this whole book, and the very, very last verse, it's still saying, In those days there was no king in Israel every man did that which was right his own eyes and so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about what Israel needed and what we need tonight and that's the glory of God the glory of God and I just simply title this message tonight bring back the glory I want our superintendent to come and pray Lord we thank you for the anointing that we have felt in this service thank you for your anointed word that was just read in our hearing I ask you now, Lord, to anoint your messenger as he ministers. Anoint every person in this room, God, to receive what you have for us. Talk to us, Lord, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. God bless you tonight. Amen. We know that it's possible that a nation can lose its glory. We know that a family can lose its glory. And I think that most of us have been around long enough to know that a church, a local church, can lose its book. And even individually, sometimes we as Christians, who were born in the fires of revival, find ourselves living in the fog and the smoke of indecision, sometimes... Wondering just what to do and what we ought to do, and I think one of the greatest needs in our lives tonight Is to get the glory of God in our lives and in our churches This is a beautiful building. I admire the structure of the building But you can have a beautiful building and not have the glory of God And you can have beautiful singing, and you got a beautiful building, and you've got beautiful singing and beautiful choir and all the music and singing tonight has been excellent. But you can, have, you can have good singing. I've observed through the years, you can have good singing and still not have the glory of God. You can have good music and not have the glory of God. Have beautiful buildings and pretty carpet and nice pulpits and, and all of that would be comfortable. But uh, it's, it's possible to have all of that and not have the glory of God. The book of Judges is a, is a story of how Israel... Uh, First of all, how they gained the glory of God, and yet it's a story of how they lost the glory of God, how the glory of God departed from them. And then it's a story of God bringing revival back to a land after failure. And I believe that God can help us, no matter what our situation is, and bring His glory even after failure. A man told me a while back, he said, the town that I'm in is a burnt over field. And I said, don't say that. There are precious souls there that have never been reached with the gospel. And just because a few people have got uh, sort of disconnected with Pentecost doesn't mean that God cannot do a work in that place. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe that in every city, every town, community, and village, there can be a church That preaches the power and the glory of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. When you look at the uh, history of of, uh, Israel in the Old Testament, you can see how that they had broken the chains of pain and slavery. And how that they had come into a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a good land. And God gave them that land. The Bible says, back in chapter 1 and verse number 1 of the book of Judges, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I've delivered the land into his hand. God always has a plan for victory. God always has a way out. There's nothing that God cannot do. And when the situation seems impossible, yet we know that with God all things are possible. When the question was asked, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? The Lord said judah shall go judah means among other things it means praise judah was the praise tribe for Israel. praise god and if we're gonna if we're gonna take the land if we're gonna get the glory of god and if we're gonna have revival we're gonna have a move of god in our lives and our churches then we've got to get praise back in its rightful place in our church <laughs> hallelujah I know it's as it were I'm preaching to the choir tonight This whole congregation Because there's been a spirit of praise and worship to God Ever since this service started tonight But I've never seen revival in a cold church Amen Praise God I've never seen revival in a comfortable church And I don't mean that the pews Can't be comfortable, but in a church where the spirit of that church and the attitude of that church and the atmosphere of that church is blasé and laid-back and a don't-care attitude, you'll never see revival in a comfortable church. Hallelujah. God has got to shake us out of the comfort zone if we're going to see a moving of His Spirit. I believe God wants to do that tonight. Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! God wants to bring every one of us out of the comfort zone into a dimension of, 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 of prayer and of seeking after God. Amen! Judah is praised. Judah is the dominant tribe. And God said, I've given this land into your hand. And it's a glorious land. And it's a good land. And it was God's gift to them. The land was God's gift to them. Praise God. But Judah is going to lead the way. Praise the Lord. Now praise is going to lead the way. Glory to God. I've been in churches where the preaching was great and it was solid and it was according to the word of God. But there was no move of God there. And it's hard to get sinners into an altar to pray. if there's no move of God in the church. Hallelujah. It's hard to reach backsliders if there's no move of God. And I value the truth and I appreciate the truth and I I esteem the truth and thank God the truth has made us free. Amen. I said the truth has made us free. Yet you can have all the truth in the world. But if, it's, if, if the church is cold and dead, and there's no move of God, and it's lifeless, then sinners are not likely to pray, and backsliders are not likely to repent. And there's got to be a stirring of the church. There's got to be a move of God in the house. I don't know about you, but I want a move of God in my own life. I need a move of God in my life. Praise God. Praise God. This going to church thing can become mechanical if we're not careful. But I pray that God can can burst us out of the mechanics of normal Pentecostalism tonight. Into a dimension of faith and power that will bring the glory of God back to the church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Now there's some things that I'd like you to notice, if you will, tonight. That God gave them. Three things that I'd like to point out. First of all, God gave them Himself. They had a Lord. Secondly, God gave them Ten Commandments. They had a law. And thirdly, God gave them Canaan. They had a land. And so they had a Lord, they had a law, and they had a land. But if you follow the book of Judges, they denied the Lord, they defied the law, and they defiled the land. They did not do what God had intended for them to do, and so God sent judgment upon them. And I think there's a striking parallel from that day and to the day we're living in right now, right here in the United States of America. Amen. I know we need revival in in the continent of Africa and South America and Europe and Australia and and, and, and everywhere else. But I'm going to submit to you tonight, we need an old-fashioned revival, a Holy Ghost revival, right here in America. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The headlines of the uh, of the USA Today uh, yesterday or today one maybe it's today uh, showed a picture of them pulling a man uh, out of the uh, uh, of the building government building and the governor's building so office and so on in in Alabama because they wanted the Ten Commandments to be there. I, I never thought I'd uh, see a day. Years ago, I would I wouldn't have never thought I would have seen a day when. There'd be such a resistance to the, the Ten Commandments And such a uh, such a dislike for it And a disuse of it We've lived to see the day in America When uh, spiritual things have been put down Wrong has been called right And right's been called wrong Sin's been made to look appealing Praise God If we ever needed a moving of God In America We need it in 2003 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. No nation, no nation has ever had, I'm going to say, such a Christian beginning and birth as did this country. No nation has ever had such a a, a Christian beginning, such a Christian birth as America. The American dream, I believe, was placed in the heart and the bosom of our founding fathers by God Himself. I believe that. I believe it was God that, that put it here because... Uh, God knew what he was going to do with America. And for years, America's been the springboard for world evangelization. More missionaries, more dollars, more everything has flowed out of America to the other places in the world. And I believe that's God's will because God wants this whole world evangelized. God's not just interested in American citizens. It's God's will that the whole world is reached. The Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Our vision must not be restricted to our own, uh, to our own view. It, we've got to lift up our eyes and look on the fields. For they are white and ready to be harvested. The harvest is ready and white, but the labors are few. That's always been the shortage, is labors. That's always been the problem. There's never been a shortage of a harvest. The shortage has always been in the labor. You can get more people at a picnic than you can the soul winning activity. Hallelujah. That's right. You can get more people to a... To a gospel sing than you can the gospel preaching. And, And I love singing and I love music. But nothing will take the place of the anointed word. The power of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And so we're just like Israel many years ago. God gave them a Lord and a law and a land. And he gave us that right here. God gave us a Lord. he gave us a law, and he gave us a land. But we're doing as Israel did many years ago. And, the, and just like the glory of God departed from Israel, so is the glory of God in a measure and to some degree departing from America. Because the wicked shall be turned into hell and every nation that forgets God. And America's on a downward plunge spiritually tonight because we're leaving God out of our lives. In a time of international terrorism and, and war on the horizon, if a people ever needed God, we need God tonight. But God's being pushed out. God's being pushed out. I said God's being shoved outside. Hey, instead of pushing God out, we ought to say, God, we want you. We need you. We've got to have you. We can't make it by ourselves. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Our our military genius is not enough. Our expertise in various fields is not enough. Our money is not enough. Our American lifestyle is not enough. We need God as never before. We need some preachers that can weep between the porch and the altar. Hallelujah. And say, God, I want to see my situation turned around. There's not any of us that's seeing what we'd like to see, but God will do more than we can imagine. I'm convinced of that hallelujah Hallelujah! God can do more than we can ask or think but it's according to the power that worketh in us oh hallelujah oh hallelujah we need a moral and spiritual awakening tonight and a return back to God hallelujah hallelujah I am convinced tonight that sin cannot win But I'm also convinced that faith cannot fail. I'm talking about real, genuine, bedrock faith in God. Like our brothers talking about here a while ago in Hebrews 11. Praise God, sin cannot win, but faith cannot fail. It's time for Pentecostal to be Pentecostal. We've got the name, we've got the message, we've got the book, we've got the God... We got everything we need. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, glory. I said it's time for Pentecost to be Pentecost. There's nothing wrong with the old time Jesus name, apostolic Pentecostal church. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hallelujah. We just need the glory. We just need the glory. We just need the glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I said we just need the glory. We, there's nothing wrong with us that a good move of God won't take care of. There's nothing wrong with any church represented here tonight that a good move of God won't take care of Hallelujah. You say nobody's getting baptized in our church. I've been there many times. But a good prayer meeting and a good move of God can take care of that. You say our altars are barren and empty. But a good prayer meeting and a good move of God can help take care of that. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Everybody shout hallelujah! hallelujah. The, the the paradox of our time in history is that, and I'm quoting from someone who I don't remember who wrote this, but he said the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers and wider freeways. We we spend more but have less. We buy more, but we enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences, but less time. Amen? We have more degrees, but less sense. Whatever happened to just good old-fashioned horse senses? I was raised on a farm, forgive me. I'm from the farm, you know. Whatever happened, just good common sense. Praise God. We got more knowledge, but less judgment. We got more experts, but more problems. We got more medicine, but more sick people. Amen. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, go to bed tired, and and read too little, and pray too seldom. God's wanting to bring some glory back to the church tonight. I said it's God's wish and will and pleasure to pour out of His Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We have multiplied our possessions, but we've reduced our values. We talk talk too much and love too seldom and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but we haven't let added life to our years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but we're having trouble crossing the street to meet our neighbor. Hallelujah! One lady in a United Pentecostal mm-hmm. church went to meet her neighbor here a while back. And had uh, been living there for years next door to each other. And she got stirred up. The pastor taught about teaching a home Bible study. And she said, I think I'll try. She thought she'd try on the next door neighbor. She went to her and, and knocked the door. And she asked her in. And she said, I want to talk to you about coming to church. And the lady shocked her. They've been living next door to each other for eight or nine years. She said, I've been wondering when you were going to ask me to come to your church. She said, I see you and your husband and children leave every Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night and you look so nice and you're dressed up and you've got your Bibles and you're going to church. But she said, I wondered if you'd ever invite me to go. Amen. She was so hungry for God that before the Bible study was completed, she was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. How many people are there at our fingertips? that are hungry for God if the church can get the power of God brother all things are possible oh oh hallelujah 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 we've conquered outer space but not inner space we've done larger things but not better things We've cleaned up the air, but we polluted our souls. We've conquered the atom, but we have not conquered prejudice. We write more, but we learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. Hallelujah. The Bible didn't say they that rush to the Lord. It said they that wait on the Lord. Sometimes, if you're going to get God's power, you've got to get some patience and just wait on God. Hallelujah. A man and woman came to see us this week, Tuesday night, at our Bible study service. And, and uh, they popped in on us. And we've been in Durham for 30 years now, and starting 31. And uh, they had never been to our church. However, I baptized them in 1966 in Missouri. And uh, we were at a low point in our life. we will forget it. This couple came to see us this week and revived a lot of memories my wife and I had. Uh, in 1966, we had been in that town for four years and we weren't seeing anything happen. We was in the storefront. Then we built a little simple building and nobody was coming. Nobody was getting the Holy Ghost. We get a few to come and then they'd leave and the attendance would go up and then down. I finally told my wife one day, I said, we've been here four years. We've never talked about leaving. But I've got to see something happen. I I can't just sit here and do nothing. I've got to see something happen. And we agreed together in prayer that we'd pray something happened. And uh, that Sunday morning, Tom and Marina walked in that building. Praise God with their two Boys, and it wasn't but a couple of weeks till they was baptized, and had the Holy Ghost, and made some of the greatest saints. And he became the worship leader and the song leader, became one of our trustees, and they're still serving God tonight. And hallelujah, Amen. And, and, and this week it caused me to go back and think again. At a low point in my life, when nothing was happening, one family turned a little church around. It wasn't my preaching and it wasn't my wife's uh, singing, but it was God that turned it around. God's got the answer for your church. God's got the answer in our cities. God's got the key to revival. Apostolic revival. Hallelujah. And I had them to come to the front Tuesday night and introduce them to our church. And I said, I want you to see... Uh, a couple that was so loyal and so faithful. I want you to see a lady that when her husband would go to work they only had one car, she'd get a a bicycle and come eight or ten blocks with a little child sitting up on the front part and go into that little prayer room that really wasn't a prayer room. It was just a Sunday school classroom. And it was a, kind of a pitiful looking place. But she got in there without any air conditioning on day after day. She prayed, Brother God, for two or three hours. We'd hear her pray, Oh, God! Send your power. Here's a brand new convert. Benji went out. And we had 20 in Sunday school and, and, and uh, hadn't had the Holy Ghost but a couple of months. Went out and won a family of, uh, of 10 children. A man and his wife and 10 children. Oh, our Sunday school attendance went up over 30% one Sunday. Praise God. All you got to do is win a few families of 12. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that man and his wife still in church today, too. Still in for God. But she, she won them to the Lord. This was 1966. And then she got to work on another couple and won them to God and their two children. And then she had the nerve to go talk to a Presbyterian pastor and won him and his wife. And he resigned his church. And they got baptized and got the Holy Ghost. Praise God. New converts don't know. They don't know that you're not supposed to do some things. They don't know that there's certain people that don't want Pentecost. They haven't learned that there's some people you just don't witness to. And she witnessed to this pastor. And he said, I've been wondering about the Holy Ghost. And he got baptized. And his wife did. And he got the Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God, praise God, and and uh, and the first first week, Presbyterian parent pastor and his wife was in our church. She came to me up the end of the week and she said, "Pastor, I really need to talk to you." And I thought, Oh, oh I wonder what's the Praise God, and you know, when some folks say they need to talk to you, it's not bad. If some folks say they need to talk to you, it's, it's, you understand what I mean. That's why I don't talk to folks about problems before church. Don't talk to me about problem before church I'll stay as long as I have to after church I'm about the last one to leave but I don't want to hear a problem before church I don't want nothing to inhibit a move of God in the service I don't want my mind to get cluttered somebody give me a witness praise God Praise God! she said I need to talk to you and I said alright she said I'm not, I need to ask you some questions she said since I got the Holy Ghost I know so little about it she said I got up this uh, one day this week and, and started to put the pants on that I've been putting on and, and said suddenly I, I, I just felt like I shouldn't she said is there something wrong with this or what <laughs> hallelujah I know a folks has been around church 40 years never has felt that <laughs> Praise God. She said, I started to put my makeup on. I couldn't do it. I never heard it preaching again. Is there something wrong with it? Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost can send revival. The Holy Ghost can send revival. I feel like shouting tonight. I said, God's got the answer. God's got the solution. God knows the answer. God's got the way. We just need the glory. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I said God's got the answer for our church, our situation, our problems. He knows the answer. He can take care of things. I continue, we build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. These are the time of fast foods and slow digestion, big men and small character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are days of two income, but more divorce, fancier houses and broken homes. These are days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throw away morality, one night stands. Overweight bodies and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. Hallelujah. It's a time when there is much in the showroom window, but nothing in the stockroom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said we got a lot in the showroom, but we don't have much in the stockroom. When it comes to a good Holy Ghost Pentecostal service, we ought not just have it in the showroom. We ought to have something back here in the stockroom. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pentecost is not a bargain basement religion. One lady told me a while back said, well... I invited church. She said, Well, I guess I'll actually come down and come to your church. I'll come to Sam and come to your church. I said, Ma'am, now before you come, let me tell you, you don't come down to Pentecost, you come up. Nobody goes down to Pentecost. This started in, the, this started in an upper room, it didn't start in the basement. I said, This didn't start in the basement, it started in the upper room. This is not a bargain basement religion. Hallelujah. You want Pentecost? Get on the elevator and push it to the top floor. And when you get off, you'll be talking in tongues and praising God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, they say that families... And family fortunes uh, are three stages. The first stage is the first generation generates. The second generation speculates. And the third generation dissipates or degenerates. And then a family fortune is gone. Now the same thing can happen in a nation or in a church. Hallelujah. The erosion of values that made us a great nation is ever before us the sad case of vanishing values the sad case of vanishing values the first generation generates and the first generation in this nation was days of glorious conquest and even for Israel let's look at Israel for a moment It was days of glorious conquest. It was victory after victory. The armies of Israel uh, under Joshua, they marched and they won victory after victory. It's amazing. When they did what God wanted them to do, walls fell down. Kings were subdued and land was taken. And it was victory after victory. Hallelujah! And so it was in America. I say again, God raised up this nation. And we must not let the devil come in and take it over. It's up to the church to stand up tall and strong and say, Devil, you can't have my home. You can't have my church. You're not going to have this nation. Praise God. Praise God. Do you remember that Virginian, Patrick Henry, in the Virginia Assembly that gave a speech that sparked the uh, revolution? In 1775, Patrick Henry said his life so dear, our peace so sweet is to be purchased and at the price of chains and slavery. Forbid it, almighty God. He said, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, he said, give me liberty or give me death. That was the first generation. Give me liberty or give me death. Second generation said, give me liberty. Third generation says, give me. And to go downhill from there, too. we? We came from the chains and tyranny to be a freeborn people. The first president of the United States, the father of our country, George Washington. The, uh, history says that he took his oath of office by putting his hand on the Holy Bible and after that, history says George Washington in front of everybody kissed the Bible. What would the ACLU think? They'd be trying to sue him. They'd be bringing him into court. His first official act as President of the United States was he took the House and the Senate to church. That was his first official act. He took them to a two-hour worship service. That's the way this nation was started. And George Washington said, No people can be bound to acknowledge the hand of God upon us any more than these United States. So number one, they were days of glorious conquest. Remember in family fortunes or in anything else. The first generation generates. It's the first step to a fortune. Then the second generation speculates. They stop. They, ca- they casually observe. They ask why. Why this and why that. The second generation starts asking why. And they speculate and compromise. And then the third generation dissipates. And it's gone. Hallelujah. It can happen that way in a church. I believe third generation Pentecostals ought to be stronger for God than first generation amen. we've got something to build on we've got a foundation to build on amen. hallelujah how did, how did your local church get started amen in, in, in my hometown of Missouri it was started by Brother uh, C.P. Kilgore 1931 he came to that town and preached revival Brother James Kilgore's father and it's an all catholic town And he preached revival under what was called a brush arbor. I don't know if you ever heard of one. Amen. But under a brush arbor. And Brother C.P. Kilgore preached there. My dad went to hear him as a 12-year-old. He never came to God until years later. But the seed was planted in his heart as a 12-year-old that he never was able to get away from. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Brother C.P. Kilgore came there and he preached in 1931 and uh, uh, got to praying and his wife was praying and, and God got to moving and things got stirred up and it was a Catholic town, and I'm not meaning to offend anybody tonight. I very seldom mention the nom- denomination or whatever, but uh, it was a Catholic town. Brother C.P. Kilgore got up one night, and he announced, he said, Tomorrow night, I'm going to take my text from Revelation 17. I'm going to talk about the Mother of Hiles, the abomination of all the earth. I'm going to talk about the Roman Catholic Church. And so the next morning, Brother Kilgore was around there praying. Little boy came with a little note to him, and, and he read the note, and it said, Preacher, if you preach that sermon tonight... We're going to, three of us are going to be in in a truck out in the dark, and we are going to shoot you. They didn't sign Brother Kilgore said, son, would you take him a note back for me? He said, sir, I just delivered the note, that's all. He said, we'll deliver one back. And he turned over on the other side, and he said, service starts at 7.30. Some of you have probably heard Brother Kilgore tell it uh, Brother James Kilgore How that three men that night, they weren't playing They got in the back of a the truck, they had shotguns And in their own words, they, they pulled the trigger they, they were loaded, they pulled the trigger Nothing happened, nothing happened They tried again When they realized it was God They jumped out of the back of that truck Ran to an altar in the brush river And all three of them got the Holy Ghost That's the way revival came What about it, third generation, fourth generation? We need that same power and that anointing and that glory. Hallelujah. 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 It would be a horrible thing for a church that started in a blaze of power and prayer and glory that would deteriorate to nothing more than just a functionary group of people vying for position and office. If I can't get to be the singer, I won't come to that church. If I can't be the song leader, I'm telling you, we need to lay aside everything in this hour and say God whatever you want me to do hallelujah if I don't sing the song I'll clap my hands for those that do if I don't preach I'll back up the preacher hallelujah hallelujah so what happens, I'm the one in the pulpit tonight, but, but if somebody else is in the pulpit, I enjoy good preaching. I back them up when they're preaching. I don't go to sleep while they're preaching. Glory to God. Last week, we had our North Carolina District Men's Retreat in our town in Durham downtown at Civic Center, and we had uh, Brother Paul Mooney and Brother Larry Booker there preaching. And... Uh, Man, I'm telling you, I didn't miss a session. Uh, uh, fr- uh, Thursday night, it was uh, uh, about two and a half hours. Friday, all day, it was five hours. I didn't miss a minute of it. Friday night, another two and a half, three hours. Saturday morning, both those men preaching again from uh, 10 to uh, 9.30 to 1 o'clock. Hallelujah. You know what? I love good preaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the devil can't stop a church that's built on the solidity of God's Word. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. We need more than riddles and rhymes in this hour. We need the anointed word of God to be preached. Amen. But the second phase of that was days of gradual compromise. Let's look in Judges 2 very quickly. Judges 2 and verse number 1. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Pocom and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Verse 2. You shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Then God's question to them was, why have you done this? That was God's question. Then if you look down in verse number 7, the Bible said, All the people served the Lord. All the days of Joshua. All the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. Who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Now get the picture. They served God as long as Joshua and Moses and Joshua lived. But the Bible said in verse 10. And, and also all the generations were gathered unto their fathers. And there rose another generation after them. Which knew not the Lord. Another generation came on the scene that didn't know God. Let me paraphrase it to Pentecost. They didn't know about old time prayer meetings. They didn't know about fasting and prayer. They didn't know about old fashioned worship. They didn't know about uh, uh, prayer meetings sometimes that lasted longer than they were supposed to. They didn't know about a move of God and they were willing to substitute something else and there is no adequate substitute. What I'm saying tonight is the number one need of this church, amen, is the glory of God. The number one need of the church that I pastor tonight is the glory of God Whoa. I want the power does anybody want it? I want the anointing I want the power I want the glory, I want the demonstration of the Holy Ghost I'm not talking about wildfire I'm talking about Holy Ghost power Hallelujah Hallelujah I'm not talking about wildfire. I'm not talking about latter rain. We don't need that. We've got the real latter rain. I'm not talking about filling gold teeth and, and, uh, and handling rattles. They didn't know the power of God. They didn't know what God had done. We've got a generation of Americans today. It's not the generation that suffered and fought and bled and died for this country. But my text said there's no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that's what's happening today. This generation is speculating this generation has no fixed standards of right and wrong this generation does not understand the moral foundation that made this country great amen they were right in their own eyes but proverbs fourteen twelve said there's a way that seemeth right to a man but the end thereof are the ways of death even in our educational system and i don't mean to be ugly about it but in our educational system in america they uh that we've left god out of the picture we're taking the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses and we've taken prayer out of the schools and when I was a boy in public school when the Christian schools, public school, that every day we started with prayer. Every day they read the Bible. Don't tell me we're better off now than we were then. We had more honor of God for God and respect and more of the fear of the Lord in those days than we have today. There's an insidious attack in this country that's happening underneath us. And our biggest attack is not from Osama bin Laden. Our biggest trouble is not uh, Arafat. And our biggest trouble is not somewhere else. Our biggest problem that's going to destroy America is right here inside of us. <laughs> It's those that are working feverishly to try to tear down every principle that made this country and this church what it is. Hallelujah. But I think it's time for God's people to stand up and be counted. Praise God. Praise God. We're not going to capitulate. We're not going to compromise. We're going to stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Amen. seated in our educational system we have a high school principal and several teachers in our church and I've talked to them, they have what they call values clarification and uh, they, they're trying to uh, very change the feeling of the students one teacher was heard to say, now Billy what would you do if you knew Joe was cheating, make better grades and try to get into college, if you knew he was cheating what would you do? He so said, think it through. The teacher said, now, one thing you need to remember, Billy, is that there are no absolutes. There's no such thing as a right answer or a wrong. You figure it out. And whatever you decide, that's what's right for you. That's what Judges 17:6 said. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Amen. Praise God. One teacher got up before the students and, and said, I'm telling you, there, there, there's no such thing as, as absolutes. And, and uh, there's no such thing as, as, as being positive or being sure of a thing. You, you've got to look at it from several angles. And one of the students raised her hand and said, Are you sure of that? And he said, I'm absolutely sure. can be absolute when they want to be, but they don't want it to be absolute in a Christian manner, in right principles. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In 1960, there was a Gallup poll then and 65% of Americans believe the Bible was literally the word of God in 1960. In 1992, I read recently, by 1992, the same Gallup poll, 32% of America believe the Bible was literally the in 32 years, it gone from 65% to 32%. That believed the Bible was the Word of God. George Barna, many of you have heard of him and seen his, perhaps read his books. In a poll taken just in the last year or so, he said 67% of Americans say there's no such thing as absolute truth. In a poll taken. And uh, uh, this these people said, what's truth for you may not be truth for me and vice versa. Amen. And then, Barna took a poll among evangelical Christians, quote-unquote. Evangelical Christians. People that go to church at least once a week. And his poll said that of evangelical Christians, 52% of them said there are no absolute truths. 52% of people that go to church at least once a week don't believe there's an absolute. We're being brainwashed. Some people say when you go to Pentecostal church, you get brainwashed. Well, I'm going to tell you, if my brain needs washing, I'd rather have it, have it done at church than have it done somewhere else, bless God. People that don't believe the Bible. Hallelujah. I want to be brainwashed for Jesus. You can say what you want to. Hallelujah. Paul said, we are fools for Christ's sake. Amen. Hallelujah. And so uh, they talk about family and they talk about values, and now then we're left with neither family nor values. But what we do have is rampant illegitimacy and sexual diseases, widespread divorce, and a generation of unloved, undisciplined, and uncared for kids. Hallelujah. One case of AIDS. One case. USA Today says one case of AIDS cost our government from 140 dollars to $170,000 for every single case of AIDS. We're spending three times as much on AIDS as we are on the, on the research of cancer. We've lost our values, folks. We've lost our way, but in the midst of that, there's a Jesus-Pain church that still baptizes in Jesus name that still believes in the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues that still believes Jesus Christ is the mighty God manifest in flesh rising up in the midst of this obscure generation when we've lost our way it's a Jesus name church praise God that sings I have found the way hallelujah for Jesus is the way he is the truth and he is the life. Somebody shout hallelujah Somebody shout hallelujah Glory And even the modern pulpit You cannot tell what they're saying What they mean I heard one man that was speaking He was a public speaker And he said this He said I know you believe That you understand what you think I said But I'm not sure you realize That what you heard is not what I meant figure that one out. Hey, Amen. That's, that's, that's just about the way it is, you know. Politicians, 135 people running for governor of California. Praise God. Hallelujah. And one old boy, they, he shouldn't have done that because his name was on there. And they started doing a background check on all of them, and the paper today said that they found out that he was wanted the first degree murder in Atlanta, Georgia, seven years ago. So now we've only got 134. He ought to have kept his name off of that list. He made the mistake of signing up for governor. If everybody else is going to do it, I will too. Bless God. He'd been better off stayed where he was because now then he's in jail. Praise God. And that may be where some of the rest of them got their name on there ought to be. I don't know. Uh, but we're living in, in a day when if it feels good, do it. And whatever feels good, do it. And, and believe what you want to. And there's no absolute truths. And, and nothing really matters anymore. Those days there was no king in Israel. never every man did what was right in his own eyes. A politician was asked a question one time about a very serious matter. And wishing not to offend his friends, he said, 50% of my friends uh, uh, are for that bill. And 50% of my friends are against that bill. And he said, I want to go on record today as stating that I'm going to stand by my friends. And it's all right maybe for politicians to say that. But it's a sad thing when the pulpit... Hallelujah! I don't think we ought to be mean and ugly and bad-spirited, but we ought to preach the Word! Repentance ought to be preached! Baptism in Jesus' name ought to be preached! The Holy Ghost ought to be preached! One God ought to be preached! Holiness ought to be preached! The power of God ought to be preached! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory! Hallelujah! hallelujah somebody shout hallelujah somebody shout bring back the glory bring back the glory that's what we need tonight hallelujah hey you can have revival in this kind of spirit you can have revival in this kind of atmosphere amen but i've been to churches i'm fixing clothes shortly, but i've been to churches where everything's dead you ever been there i Time never got one amen. Not one. Not even from the past. Two weeks. <gasps> Most miserable time i ever spent in my life. Besides that, I went to get a haircut. I was full-time bands. I went to get a haircut in this town. And I told him to give me a, just a light haircut. And he cut all my hair off. I couldn't even part it for three weeks. I the so mad when I left there, I come in church after getting a haircut, and hell, everybody says, what in the world happened to you? And, and, and he cut me four places, you know, when they used to kind of cut around the outline of the year? And he cut me four places, and, and, uh, and then finally knowing that all my hair was gone, I was bleeding like a stuck hog. He said, you got to remember, sir, this is my first week out of barber school. i've repented so help me god i've repented i shouldn't have said it but i said are you sure you went to bible school or butcher school <laughs> praise god well i preached two weeks and not one amen not one amen but i'm going to tell you there's not many people in the altar where nobody says i love you jesus and there's no hallelujahs and nobody's lifting their hands and I still believe in old-fashioned Pentecost. We ought to clap our hands. We ought to lift our hands. We ought to sing and shout. We ought to testify. We ought to praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, let's get the glory back. Let's get the glory back. Let's all stand to our feet, please. Let's all stand and clap our hands and praise God's name. Hallelujah! 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 The main need of the hour is the power of God. Paul said, in the midst of his education, Brother Martin, he was highly skilled, highly educated, but he said, my speech and my preaching was not. He said, I want to tell you what it's not from. It's not from enticing words of man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We need just, we need Pentecost to be Pentecost. Don't try to change this. Don't make it something else. Don't try to fit in with the rest of your religion in city. Just let Pentecost be Pentecost. Let folks know when they come to our churches, we're going to talk in tongues. We're going to clap our hands. We're going to shout hallelujah. We're going to praise God's name. Hallelujah. Somebody may shout before it's over. Somebody may dance. Somebody may talk in tongues. Somebody might even run the aisles. I don't know. Let Pentecost be Pentecost. Oh. Oh. Uh. I went into a church here a while back, and it was a good church, good people, love God. There was no move of God there. And I'm not saying you got to shout every minute. I don't shout every minute. you got families, you've got jobs, you've got things to do. But when we go to church, it seems to me that the church ought to be a place where you can worship God and feel His presence and receive strength and power to face every situation that confronts you and God knows we need that kind of power because we're facing some giants out there (laughs) I said we Pentecostals are facing some giants and we need God's help and God's power but we went to this church and I tried to preach and and, and I'm sure my preaching didn't help much but I went out there and told my wife on the way home I said man I said, I said, I, I would have almost give you a quarter for saying Amen tonight. He said, I was saying Amen. I said, Well, I didn't hear you too well. You know, I teased him of course. I said, You know, most of those members look dead. They look like a talent scout for a cemetery. And She said, I'm glad you didn't say that during service. I said, no, I'm glad I didn't too. But I said, I'm telling you, it looked like a talent scout for a cemetery. You'll never see revival in a dead church. And we need a move of God that's genuine and from the heart and based on the Word of God. Backed up by prayer and faith and genuine heartfelt worship. And praise to God. Why don't we praise God just for a moment? the name of G. We're going to slow it down and just talk a while But tonight we ought to just praise God And worship God Let the Holy Ghost move on us And let His power move in us God I want to move with your spirit I want want a revival in my church Hallelujah One little lady in Missouri In that church where I was pastoring And trying to pastor One little lady created a revival And in two and a half years We went from 20 in church To 250 in two and a half years you say, he must have been doing some mighty good preaching. No, sir. Preaching wasn't no better. There was one little lady every day was in that little room praying, Oh, God. Oh, God. My wife and I drove by a church Years ago, about 20 years ago almost, in Burlington, North Carolina, 30 miles from where I pastor in Durham. and I said, there needs to be a church in this town. And I said, why don't we just, we was just on a Monday and we was driving around, went over there and just looked around. The kids were still small and uh, young. I said, well, and so we went to Burlington, we got driving around, and, and I, I just zeroed in with a garden of one church. I said, you know, that church would make a good Pentecostal. And I said, I'm going to stop and go up the door. And she said, well, is nobody here. And I said, I'll still let go up the door and, and look around to see if I can look in. And I, and I did. And what I saw broke my heart. I walked up there, and there was one man in that building. And he was on his knees, and he had his hands raised. And he said, oh, God, oh, God, I need you. I need more than I've got. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, and I knew I knew what was on the right track. Then I knocked on the door, and he came to the door. And to make a long story short, he got baptized and got the Holy Ghost. And my brother, Brother Kenny, go went there to start a brand new church in a storefront, and he was his first member. Praise God, his very first member, and he was just in the church saying, "Oh God!" And they didn't, we didn't get that building, but we got the man. Praise God! <laughs> hallelujah! 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 Praise God! He just died about a couple of years ago, and he lived for God faithfully and served God. How many men are there in a, in a church building somewhere saying, "God, I need more than I've got"? And, and along comes the Jesus name Apostolic Church and says, "Hey, we've got what you need." bring back the glory, bring back the glory the first generation generates the second generation speculates the third generation dissipates and deteriorates and then it's over you say brother Godair, is there any hope? yes there is hope praise God in the midst of a a bad situation in this nation there is hope in the midst of many churches that are cold and, and carnal there is hope praise God, I said there's hope Chapter 2 and verse 10 of Judges, I read where it said uh, there rose another generation, knew not God. And then it says that uh, the Lord turned against them. But down in verse 16, God said, nevertheless, nevertheless, God said, if there's anybody in this place that's left that'll call upon my name, I'll come to where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a generation that knew not God, but God is still inserting tonight And nevertheless, if anybody will call on my name, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I'm glad tonight in Judges there's still a nevertheless. I want to help you, God. Nevertheless. I'll close with this. I read the story. Two preacher's boys in Missouri. True story. And I know when you say it's a true story, some people wonder, what have you been saying all night? Is that not true? One little girl went on to church. dad had told something that night, and she said, Daddy, was that a true story you told tonight or were you just preaching? True story, two boys, preacher's boys in Missouri. They had a dog come up to their house. It's a pretty dog. It's a black dog that had a few white streaks on the tail. They took that dog to their preacher daddy. Their daddy was a preacher. And said, Daddy, can we keep him? We like him but there's some new people in the neighborhood and we think this dog belongs to them. And their preacher daddy told them, said, I'll tell you what. Go get some shoe polish. And they they got some shoe polish and painted the tail solid black where it had a lot of white streaks. And the preacher daddy said, nobody will ever know. And so next day this new family came and man and his kids were coming through the community and saying, we've got dog. And and this looks like our dog." And said, No, it's not your dog. What would your dog look like? Well, it was black and had white streaks on his tail. And he said, No, this dog doesn't have any white streaks on his tail. It's solid black. And, and the little boy spoke up and said, Daddy, I know that's my dog. I know that. You know, you can't fool kids. They know what's a dog. And there's a look and there's a feel. And he said, that, That's our dog. And, and, uh, and, and, and the preacher daddy spoke up and said, How could that be your dog? You said your dog had white streaks on his tail and this dog has an all black tail. So the man and his boys walked away and said, well, maybe you're right. Maybe that's not our dog. And the boys walked away and their daddy and the two boys that were left standing there with the dog was named Frank and Jesse James. A true story of the fellas that started the James gang. It's the story of a preacher that kept a dog and lost his bones. I wonder if there's something tonight we need God to do for us and help us. Maybe I'm preaching somebody that's unsaved. Maybe somebody's a backslider. Maybe somebody's in this building that says, I just need a brand new touch of God. It's been a long time since I really felt His presence. Let me tell you, I can read the whole book of Judges and I can tell you about judgment and I can tell you what God did, but I can still tell you there is a nevertheless in Judges. God had rather forgive you than judge you. I said God had rather forgive you than to judge you and I'd like first of all pray right now if you'd lift your hands and if anybody in this building needs to pray would you step up front here and kneel or stand at this altar if anybody in this building would like to pray why don't you step up front here amen amen hallelujah 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 if anybody needs to pray, if anybody needs to repent, or maybe you're a good Christian, you just like to have a move of God in your life. I can tell you're wonderful people in your great congregation, but maybe there's somebody here that'll just say, Preacher, I need a move of God in my life. I want God's power. I want to do more than just go to church. I want the anointing that breaks the yoke. I want God's glory back in my life. Can you remember a time when you used to pray more and seek God and live in the Spirit? And tonight, you're not backslid and you're not a hypocrite, but you're saying, Preacher, I need something. I just need something from God. Maybe there's a preacher here that's saying, I need a move of God in my church and I don't know what to do and, and I'm going to come and put it in God's hands tonight and, and just turn it over to Jesus and... Oh let's talk to the Lord Come on let's pray All over this building Let's turn this auditorium into prayer room Let's turn this auditorium into prayer room there's a pastor, and pastor's wife here. There's nothing wrong with being a little discouraged. You don't have to feel bad if you get discouraged. I'm not talking about going back in sin, foul, corrupted sin, but there's nothing wrong with getting a little discouraged at times. Hallelujah. But God has a word, and God has a strength and a power. Would you like to come and pray with us? This altar's open, sir. It's open, ma'am. It's open to anybody. Hallelujah. Just say, I want the glory. I want the glory. I want God's glory I want God's power I want God's anointing I don't want to go to church week after week And never feel God I've got to have a move of God in my soul There's nothing wrong with just coming up here and lifting up your hands, saying, Jesus, touch me one more time. Do something in my life. Do something in my ministry. Do something for our church, Lord. Do something for us, oh God. We need you tonight. I want to see a move of God. I want to see altars filled. I want to see lives changed. It's the glory of God that's going to bring it. Why don't we pray all over this house? Let's talk to the Lord tonight. Bring back the glory. Bring back the glory. Hallelujah! Israel needs the glory back. America needs the glory back. And God's people need the glory back. Why don't everybody, if you can, just kind of step out in the aisles and step up this way. Would you pray with us in one great concerted effort tonight? Would you do that, please? Everybody, let's just pray. God, my greatest need is the touch of the Holy Ghost, is the move of God. God, you've got the answer. You've got the solution. You know what to do and how to do it. Oh, God, send your glory. Bring back your glory. Give us power in the prayer room. Give us worship in the pews. Give us the anointed man of God in the pulpit. Hallelujah! Oh, God! Let's pray, God! We need power in the prayer room. We need power in the pulpit. We need power in the, power in the pews. go Glory!